friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Today, I'm going to give you the eight tips to being a better public speaker. Now, this podcast isn't only for people who want to step into becoming a motivational speaker. It's also for those who want to do better Facebook Live videos, better Instagram videos, or just give better presentations at work or at the PTA. This episode is for you. Wherever you are in your life, I guarantee that you will be able to implement all of these skills in some way, shape, or form or another, even if it's just speaking up more in a staff meeting. Now here's the thing. Some experts estimate that as many as 77% of the population has anxiety around public speaking and any kind of speaking, whether it be Facebook or Instagram. I don't care if we're talking about TikTok. The research is showing that 77% of the population is still afraid of public speaking. Now, this fear could be as intense as phobia, like my heart beats out of my chest and my voice trembles, or the anxiety could simply be, I don't know how to be captivating on camera. I don't know how to be captivating in front of an audience and the how is tripping me up. And since I don't know what to say or how to start, I'm just not going to do it. So what I want to do today is demystify the how and give you the tips that you will implement to be much more confident in any situation where you have to speak publicly. There is a magic to this. Now, especially if you are in any type of business, if you're running your own business, whether that be a small business, a large business, you're the CEO of a company, or you're in an MLM or network marketing company, there is a magic to getting your audience captivated in what you're saying and what you're teaching And there's a strategy to get them to take action at the end of that, whether it be a video or speaking from stage, there's a magic to getting people to take action. Even if you are speaking to your local board and you want your board to do something for you, you're going to use these tips in order to get that board to take the action that you want them to take. And of course, if you're in sales, then the inspired action step is going to get people to say yes and want to buy your product, program, or service or join you in whatever it is that you're doing. Now, why do I feel that this topic is important? Actually, you may not know this about me, but I am a public speaker. So yes, of course I do this on podcasts, but what you may not know is I also train around the United States. I go to different trainings and I teach people things in person and I am giving speeches all the time. And even right now during COVID, I'm still teaching people live classes all the time on Zoom in front of a large audience. If I would have known that in high school, it would have blown my mind. 
in high school, I had such a phobia of public speaking that I would go to my teachers after class and beg them to let me do my oral presentations during recess in private because I was way too nervous to do it in front of the class. I was so phobic of public speaking that if I got the syllabus at the first day of high school and there was scheduled a oral presentation six months from now, I would worry about it every single day and I would have anxiety and I would have trouble sleeping and I would have trouble eating because I would be so terrified that my teacher would force me to speak in front of the class and I would make a fool of myself and humiliate myself. I was the type of person that when in front of an audience my voice trembled, my face turned red, I could barely get the words out, I was so uncomfortable that it was palpable and I could feel the tension in the air as everyone else was squirming and uncomfortable in their seats and they just felt so bad for me and everybody just wanted the whole room to collapse and fall on us and save us from the situation, that was me. My public speaking phobia was so bad that I begged my parents to take me out of high school because my high school loved oral presentations. They were huge on it and they wanted everyone to be prepared for college and career and their senior project, which was this big deal. It was this big presentation that every student had to do in order to graduate. Well, I had so much anxiety around it. I begged my parents to pull me out of school. I was like, please, I can't even function. I can't sleep. I have massive anxiety around this. And my parents, instead of pulling me out of school, thank God, they put me in therapy. There's nothing wrong with parents who pull their students out of school, yet I am so grateful and thankful that my parents put me in therapy at such a young age because it completely changed my life and it put me on a trajectory to being a mental health expert. Now in therapy, I mostly worked on the traumatic experiences I had in public speaking, the bad memories I had from getting up in front of people and feeling horrible and wanting to die. That's what I worked on in therapy. What I'm going to give you today are the actual tangible tips to becoming a better public speaker. Because once you know how to be a better public speaker, you can start practicing these skills and honing them until it's as comfortable as drinking a glass of water. So having gone through that and come out the other side, I decided I wanted to learn actually what being a really great public speaker was all about. And that put me on this journey of basically first consuming personal development, anything I could get my hands on about public speaking. And most everything that I read recommended that I get certified in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, that this was the key that was going to teach me the secrets of language to being a better public speaker. In fact, did you know that most presidential candidates in the United States are trained in NLP by NLP experts? Don't believe me? Just look it up. One of the most well-known and known for being one of the best speakers that the presidency has ever seen Barack Obama. That's right, folks. There is a reason why he's a really good public speaker. He's trained. So if he can be trained, so can you. The other politician that is a really well-known NLP speaker, and if you look up his videos, you'll find it so hilarious, Donald Rumsfeld is a politician that is trained in NLP and used NLP to his advantage all the time. Look up the video, Donald Rumsfeld 
known knowns, and you'll see him trance out his entire audience with an NLP written speech. Now, I'm not going to give you the hypnotic tricks to NLP because you don't need those actually. You are not a politician. What you're going to need are the tangible steps and the tangible tips that you can apply in any presentation that will captivate your audience, get them really interested in what you have to say, and get them to take action at the end. The point in me bringing up NLP is that as I was sharing my journey and I was doing this research, I realized this is the thing that I want to certify myself in. So I went all the way to the top that you can go in NLP and I am now certified not only at the master level, but at train the trainer level, which means I can certify and train others in NLP. You'll know why I'm sharing this in just a minute, I promise. But if I can go from terrified of public speaking and begging my parents to take me out of high school to a confident, trained speaker who travels around and trains others and gives speeches all the time, I promise that I can teach you the tips that you can apply to your life and make public speaking easier for you and demystify how you get others to take action at the end. So let me break down the tips for you. The first tip that I have for you is pretty easy. It's actually really easy and it should take a load off when you hear it. This tip, when implemented, will skyrocket your confidence as a speaker. I guarantee that. And it is simply be relatable, be yourself, and speak to your best friend. Be relatable, be yourself, speak to your best friend. I promise this is the key to giving you confidence and helping you relax in front of people. You do not need to step into a different persona. You're not acting and this is not a role. You're actually just being yourself. Now, when you listen to the news or some sort of report, you will hear in their voice that they are using a trained radio voice. You don't need to do this. So for example, hello and welcome to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. In today's news, three puppies today were adopted from the local shelter. What that means for your weekend, next. Okay, that may work in radio and that may work on news television, but that will not work when you are speaking to an audience that came to hear from you. What do people love most about Barack Obama's speaking? He sounds like a friend. Granted, a well-educated friend but a friend nonetheless. The other thing this tip gives you is the freedom to use your own jargon. You may notice that in this podcast, I leave in sometimes when I say like and um, because it's me speaking from the top of my head a lot of times or explaining things in my natural voice. And that is how I would speak to my best friend. If you want to address your audience as dudes then do that if that's natural to you and that's who you really are. Stay true to yourself. Although the word dudes might turn some people off, if it's who you truly are, then you're going to attract your natural vibe and tribe to you. And you want people like you listening to you because they're your ideal audience. Now, the easiest way to implement being relatable and being yourself is to imagine that you're talking to your best friend. And I do mean this literally. So if you open up your Facebook to do a Facebook Live, 
and there's no one on the other end or you're just talking to your telephone screen or your computer screen imagine the face of your best friend sitting at the other end of that telephone call or computer screen just speak to that one person you don't have to speak to the five people that randomly show up on that live video or the thousands of people that randomly show up on that video just speak to your best friend the entire time and that will help you to settle in to being relatable being yourself and using your own jargon It will also take away any fear that you might have about speaking to a large audience. You're not speaking to a large audience. You're speaking to your best friend. Now, the only difference here is I use a lot more choice words with my best friends than I do sitting here in a podcast. But that's really the only thing that I tailor to this podcast is leaving out the expletives. Other than that, you really are getting the authentic version of me especially the version of me when I'm hanging out with my family and I would never cuss around my parents anyway. So be relatable, be yourself, and speak to your best friend. Step number two is to identify a shared problem. Now the reason you'll want to take step two seriously is because when you can present the problem first, you develop intrigue and curiosity from your audience. If you don't start with the problem first, you risk disengagement from the start. So wouldn't it be easier to captivate your audience's curiosity from the very beginning rather than trying to scrounge it up later? The answer to that is yes. Now I gave you the real life example at the very beginning of this call when I gave you the statistic that 77% of the population is afraid of public speaking. Shared universal problem. But I want to give you the real example where you're going to hear why step number two is really important. I'm going to do this through story because your unconscious mind learns really well through story. So there was once this man that went to a networking event where he could meet other people and he was really excited to share what he was doing and how he was going to help people because he went there to find clients. And as he's going around and introducing himself and telling people what he does and how he helps them, he comes up to a person and says, hey, what do you do? And the person says, oh, I'm an at-home chef. And the guy thinks to himself, oh, that's really interesting. Never heard of that before. Don't really need that. And so for nicety's sake, he hung around for a couple more minutes, but then he moved on and decided to meet new people because he didn't see the need for an at-home chef in his life. He goes to another person. He says, hey, what do you do for a living? And the guy says, well, you know how people in our culture and society these days are just really busy? And he goes, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And he goes, well, we're all so busy busy that it's hard to squeeze in those healthy meals and home-cooked meals around the dinner table with our family when we're all so scattered and busy and the guy's like yeah yeah totally and he says well what I do is I'm actually a live-in chef so I live with families that are really busy and I make their meals for them so that they get nutritious healthy home-cooked meals at home without having to spend extra time on that project And now the guy's like, oh my gosh, I totally need this in my life. And he takes the guy's card, goes home, and decides he's going to hire a live-in chef. Those two guys had the exact same career. But one of them started with the shared problem 
and the other started with only the solution. So what you want to do to be a more captivating speaker and to get people pulled in right away is to identify the problem. When you identify the problem, then people get curious about the solution. If you only start with the solution, you've lost half your audience, if not more. Now this brings me to step number three. Step number three is to make a quick promise or tell your audience what you're going to tell them. You may notice that I do this in every single episode. Even though the title of my episodes are clearly labeled, I still tell you in every single episode right away what you can expect on today's episode. Last week it was, I'm going to tell you the eight strategies for building in better habits around your goals. And then I told you that's what we're going to do today. And then I fulfilled that promise. I do this in every episode because our world is so fast paced that we need to answer the question, what are we doing here immediately in order to hold people's attention span on you long enough to learn from you. Here's an example of when you don't experience this. When you go to watch a Facebook video or an IGTV video and the person who is speaking says, hey everybody, hi, oh my gosh, happy Saturday, oh my gosh, hey Susan, oh it's so nice to see you. Yeah, I'm just going to wait for a few more people to come and, and then we'll get started. You have already lost interest, I guarantee you. After 15 seconds, if you are wondering what you're doing there, what you're going to learn, if this video is even going to add any value to your life whatsoever, and now you have to wait for more people to arrive, you're done. You're like, I'm out. And that's the sad reality if you're a speaker. If you don't captivate your audience right away and tell them exactly what the value is that they're going to get from sticking around, they're not going to stick around. Even if they're trapped in a room with you, they're going to zone out and check out. So in order to prevent that, you are going to tell them what you're going to tell them. Make a quick promise so everyone is like, ooh, yes, okay, I'm tuned in to what is happening right now. So step three, tell them what you're going to tell them. Make a quick promise. Number four, edify your authority on this subject matter. Usually, I do this through telling you stories from my own life. That's one way where you can edify yourself as the authority figure. Even if you're not certified in this or you have no formal training in this topic, that is okay. You do not need it. You can edify your authority by sharing stories from your own life or experiences from your own life where you have learned something about this topic. Now, I did both. I edified my authority by telling you that I'm certified as a trainer and I go around the world training other people, yet I also told you the story from my own life about how I used to struggle with public speaking and went on this journey to find myself as a public speaker. You can do one, you can do the other, or you can do both. But in essence, for step number four, you must edify yourself as the authority because what you don't want is for people to say, well, what business do you have to talk about this? I don't trust you. So to avoid that altogether, we're going to set ourselves up as the authority on this subject matter. Now, these next several tips come from research done by Virginia Satir on how people prefer to learn. And basically, learners are broken up into four categories. 
There are why people that really just want to know why they need this information. Tell me why I'm listening in the first place. If I know the why, I'll be interested to hear what and how to implement it. If I don't know the why, I'm checked out. You'll pretty much know you're a why person if you're always asking yourself why do I need this information why do I need this information is an indicator that you're a why learner the other possibility is you're a what learner I am totally a what learner what learners just want to know what are we talking about if I know what we're talking about then I'll care about the why and the how but I'm not really that interested in what you're talking about until I'm clear on what we're talking about. And this can include definitions, the basic themes of what this presentation is going to be about. The next category of learners are like, I don't care about the why, I don't care about the what, just tell me how to implement this. Once I know how to implement this, then I can go figure out the why and the what on my own. Just tell me how to do something. And the fourth type of learner is the what if learner. Tell me all the possible things that could happen when I go out and try this. What are all the possibilities? And what if people typically ask a lot of questions? What if this happens? What if this happens? That's a what if learner. So now you know there are four different types of learners. When you are giving a presentation, it's really important that you speak to each type of learner in a specific order. This is research done by Virginia Satir. The order matters because if you don't rope in your why people immediately and you start talking about what and how, they've tuned out. They're not listening at all because they don't know why it's important. So you actually need to discuss the why first immediately. No matter what you're talking about, you have to cover why it's important. I gave you an example of this when I said identify the shared problem. If you can identify the shared problem, more than likely you've roped in your why people. So once you identify the shared problem and you tell them why they care, then you can take as much time as you want in the other sections. Now the next learner you need to speak to immediately next is the what person. You need to tell people what you're talking about because if you jump from why to how to do something, all of your what people are so lost they can't understand the how. They will not understand the how until they can clarify what it is that you're talking about. I'll give you an example from my own life. My business buddy Carson really wanted me to get certified in Reiki. It was really important to him and I didn't really understand why I needed this or what it was or how to use it. So I called Carson. I said, listen, I know Reiki is really important to you. I'm just not sold on it. Like, I don't really know what I would be doing with Reiki. And I did ask a what question. Carson, who is a how person, 100%, starts telling me all the ways how I can use Reiki. Oh my gosh, well, you can use it like this and you can do this with your clients and you can use it in this session, in this session, in this session, in this session. And he starts going into all the how. And I still don't understand what Reiki is. So he can tell me all the how in the world, but if I don't know what we're talking about, I really don't care how to use it. So I keep trying to bring him back to the what. And I'm like, I get that that's how you use it. I just don't know what it is. Like, what is it? What am I being certified in? 
And he keeps responding with how to use it because he's a how person, I'm a what person. And neither one of us at this point in our relationship were trained in format, which is why, what, how, and then what if. Now we're both trained in it and we laugh when we have miscommunications like this, but several years ago when neither one of us are trained in this, we're like, why is this so complicated for us to communicate about? Now we laugh when I ask what questions and Carson responds with how to do something. We laugh about it because we see that we are going to our own preferred method of learning first when the other person is not there. Now I have a deeper understanding of what Reiki is, Reiki energy that you're using to heal people. I understand now what it is. But before I understood the what, I was not at all interested in how to use it. So this is why it's really important that once you explain why people should care about this topic and what the topic is, then you are going to move into the how. Your how people will be patient as you explain the why and the what. Your why and what people will not be patient if you skip them and go later to the how. They'll be totally lost the whole entire time trying to figure out why and and what on their own. Then your what if questions will come last. So all of your what if learners who are learning the why, learning the what, learning the how, and then they have a million questions, they can wait to ask all of their questions till the end because some of their questions will be answered along the way. And then those that are left over with questions will then feel like they can ask the what if questions. What if this scenario? What if this scenario? So let me give you an example of some what if questions around this concept today. Some people might be thinking, okay, so Rachel, what if I do this on Facebook video? Is that going to be different than what if I do this in, in front of people? Or what if I do this at the PTA? Or what if I do this just with my family? They'll have all these different context ideas of, of that are different and they'll wanna know what if this situation, that situation. They must wait till last because if you start going into all of the what if immediately, you will not have your why people, you will not have your what people, and you will not have your how people. So according to the research, How you want to deliver your presentations is first starting with the why, why is it important, then moving into the what, what are we talking about today, then you're going to move into the how, and lastly, you'll do the what if. Now I'm deconstructing a lot of information for you in the first three tips, I've given them to you in the correct order. So if you, number one, identify the shared problem, you're speaking to your why people, If you then, step three, tell them what you're going to tell them, you are now speaking to your what people. And then what you're going to do as soon as you edify your authority is you're going to go into the how. Now the how is fairly easy to explain. It's the literal steps, the step-by-step how-to of something. So in a podcast, it's usually these are the eight tips to strategies or these are the eight tips to public speaking one two three four five six seven eight these are the eight tips so you can start with the quote unquote how in a podcast if your first few tips cover the why and the what and then your next several tips are going to cover the how now the how may be pretty obvious to some like oh i'm just going to explain this that and the other however make sure that Your why questions and your what questions are answered before you get to the how. That's really important. 
Now I'm going to go into the what if, which is actually going to set you apart from the rest of the speakers out there who aren't necessarily doing this last part, which is called the what if. What if answers all of people's questions? Now, as a speaker, especially on a podcast or a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live, or even if when you're speaking on stage, you might not have a Q&A portion of your talk. So how do you answer the questions if no one is asking them? You come up with in advance what you think the most common questions would be and then work those answers into your what if section. So let's say you're going to do a video about 10 tips to better health and fitness. Well, remember, you got to go back to step number one. Speak to your best friend and then identify a shared problem. What problem is this video going to solve for people? Then you're going to tell them what you're going to tell them. In this video, you're going to learn 10 tips to a better, healthy lifestyle. Then you're going to introduce yourself and edify your authority. Again, my name is Rachel Bailey, and I've been on a health and fitness journey for 15 years. I also have a credential or this, that, the other, whatever your story is. Then you're going to go into your how. And after your how section, you want to think about what are the questions people might be asking in response to these how tips. For example, let's say one of your how tips is how to work the glutes. But then you could think of, okay, could an audience person who's listening to this potentially have really tight glutes or really sore glutes? They might ask, should I still do this exercise if I'm really sore? Should I still do this exercise if I'm really tight? So you kind of want to come up with what questions you think people would have in advance so you can answer those when you get to the what if section. My what if section is actually right here. I'm answering the questions, how do I have a what if section if no one is asking me questions? That's the question I'm answering right now in this section of the podcast. Okay, now tip number six is really important. And once you get really good at tip number six, you can actually incorporate it into the other sections of your talk. You can add tip number six into your what section, into your how section, and into your what if section once you get really good at it. And that is you're going to get really good at sharing testimonials or stories of either yourself or stories of other people who either have or have not applied your tips. Let me tell you why testimonials are going to be really important for you as a speaker. The first reason is simply entertainment value. When you are able to give your tips in a way that shares storytelling, you're more interesting to listen to. So you'll notice most of my podcasts, I share a story or two to make the podcast more interesting. That's the first reason why I might share a personal story. But entertainment value is not the only reason why I share stories. There's actually a psychological reason, which is that when people are listening to a story, they are learning unconsciously through the storytelling. 
So if and when I share a story about a time in my life when I really struggled with perfectionism and then learned to release the perfectionism to just get started on stuff and figure it out as I go, when I share those stories with people, I'm speaking to their unconscious mind and allowing them to grow neurology into thinking the possibilities of releasing perfectionism. If I just say to my audience, hey, you should release perfectionism and here is why and here's three tips on how to do that, they will find the podcast valuable in the tips, yet they're going to find it much more valuable when I'm sharing my own personal story because of the entertainment value and because of the unconscious learnings they're receiving through the story. In good faith, I'm going to share a testimonial that is relevant right now to this part of my tips. Another reason why testimonials work really well is because you're giving credibility to what you are saying and you're giving credibility to potentially other clients or other customers of yours who have had a good experience with you, which once again increases your authority, increases your credibility. You may or may not know this depending on our relationship, But I run a class called Unlocking Sales Mentorship in Genius Unlocked. I'm a contractor for them, so sometimes I'll go in and run trainings for them. And one of the trainings that I run is called Unlocking Sales Mentorship, where in a six-month course, I teach people how to increase their sales in their business. Well, to sell into this six-month program... I put on a five-day course called Keys to Closing Sales where I teach people some tips, some tricks, and I'm using this style of speaking that I'm teaching you today to really edify myself, edify the process, and get people to understand what they're going to be learning in the six-month mentorship class. Usually, my conversion rates in these five-day classes is really pretty good. I'd say Anywhere between 40% to 60% of the people who attend my live classes ended up becoming long-term clients of mine. That's on average for me when I'm using this style of speaking that I'm teaching you, which is to teach the why, the what, the how, the what if, and to share testimonials along the way that give myself credibility and give my clients credibility to what I'm doing. Well, about six months ago, I did one of these classes. It was a five-day Keys to Closing sales class. And before this class, I was consistently closing 40 to 60% in all of my classes. Well, I did this one class, and I got so wrapped up in teaching people the details of the how, and if they would just apply my tips, they would get so many more conversions in their own business. I was so excited to teach people the how that I completely forgot about the testimonials. I didn't share a single story. I didn't share my before and after story with applying the tips. I didn't share any client testimonials from before and after applying the tips. I just completely forgot to share stories and testimonials. Well, in that class, which was about six months ago, I had zero conversions. That for me has never, ever happened before. And when this happened at the end of five days when nobody purchased to move on with me to become a client, I was banging my head against the wall wondering what did I do wrong? I was so excited about the material. Didn't they understand how important it would be to work with me for six months? 
Didn't they understand that if I could bring them value in five days, how much more value I could bring them in six months and I could help their conversion rates go from 0% to 40 or 50 or 60%. And I was so passionate about teaching them the how, I left out the stories. Well, once I realized that that was my error, it was a critical error. Trust me. I never again leave out the testimonials of the clients who apply my information because of those three reasons. Reason number one, for entertainment value of the people listening. Reason number two, I'm speaking to the unconscious mind through the storytelling. And reason number three, I am going to close more sales and get people more interested and more secure in what I'm offering when I share the testimonials. Now that I share testimonials, every single class that I do, I am back up to my 40 to 60% conversion rate, and I will never, ever, ever forget again how important testimonials are. So in this example, I literally just shared a true story. It was true. It was a true story. It was a true testimonial about applying the tip of testimonials. When I shared the story in my own life, I give credibility to how important this tip is. So it doesn't matter if you're trying to make a sale or not trying to make a sale. When you share testimonials, you're giving credibility to what you are saying. If you are making sales, it's even more important that you share testimonials because you earn the trust of your prospect who now is willing to pull out their wallet and buy your product program or service. Now, if you get really good at testimonials, you're going to work them throughout your entire speech so that you give your own testimonial in the beginning when you're edifying your authority, you can share a story. And then maybe you're going to share a story in the what section about those who applied the what and learn the what and those who don't. And then you're going to share your testimonials throughout the how of the way I just did. This is when you apply this tip. This is what happens. When you don't apply this tip, this is what happens. Now moving into step number seven. You are going to have in your speech some sort of call to action. Now, this call to action could be having a client or prospective client pull out their wallet to get ready to buy a product, program, or service. However, it does not have to be that if you're not in sales at all, you're still going to do a call to action. It just won't be a sale. So one example of a call to action that isn't a sale is asking people to share your video or share your talk or go to your website and leave a review. Or comment on the video below. All of those are a quote-unquote call to action. Why do we do this? Well, the first reason is because you, the authority, are giving this free value, right? doesn't matter if it's a 10-minute video or an hour-long podcast or a two-hour speech. You've just given so much free value that you're asking for someone to do something in return. That will take them just a couple of minutes. So there's a positive exchange of energy when you ask for a call to action. Now, a call to action may not be a selfish one. It doesn't have to be leave me a comment or do this for me. A call to action could also be, hey, you have homework now. I challenge you to do the inspired action steps from today's class. That would also be considered a call to action. 
And why you would want to include one of those is because you are getting your clients into momentum, into taking action, which then builds a relationship with you, even if you're not there when they're fulfilling on the inspired action. A great speaker will do a combination of both. So once in a while, I'll give you inspired actions. I'll give you homework. I'll say, here, go do the 3S strategy that I gave you in this one podcast. Or I might say, hey, could you be so cool to leave me a review or check out my website? A great speaker will do a combination of both, which continues to build a relationship over time. Again, I'm going to give you the tips that are going to set you up above the rest who are already doing calls to action. You are going to go one step further in this which is to give them the step-by-step instructions. So let's just say that I am wanting my listeners to leave me a review on my podcast. An okay speaker would say, hey, leave me a review. A brilliant speaker will give the step-by-step instructions, which would sound like this. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. Do me a favor right now while you're listening. Go to the show and scroll all the way down. So you're going to scroll all the way past all of the episodes until you see ratings and reviews. Underneath ratings and reviews, you're going to see a purple box that says write a review. Click on that. Once you click on write a review, please leave me a five-star review with a sentence or two about what you love about the show. Thank you for doing that. And when you're done writing those couple sentences, go ahead and press send, which is in the top right corner. Thank you so much for leaving me a review. I really appreciate that. Now, those of you listening, how many of you did it or were at least tempted to do it while I was giving you the step-by-step instructions? Isn't that cool? So hopefully you did it and followed along with me, or you were at least like, ooh, yeah, I want to do that as soon as the show is over. So what you're going to do when you give a call to action is don't just tell people what to do. Give them the step-by-step, even though you might feel like it's silly. The first couple times you do it, you're like, why am I telling them exactly like they're in second grade, this, 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 because it works. They're following along with you and taking the action step. Another quick example of this, if you have a link that takes people to a completely different page where they still have to do more work, like scroll down and click on another button, you are going to walk them through all of those steps. I do it all the time. That would sound like this. So you're going to go to my website, which is coachrachelbailey.com. When you get there, you'll see three options. What I want you to do is I want you to click on the vision strategy session. Once you click on that, that's going to open up a completely new page and you're going to pick a time that you'd like to work with me. So go ahead and pick that time, select a day, select a time, and then it's going to ask you to input some personal information. Once you do that, you're going to press submit. You walk them through, especially if you're sending them to a website that has a drop down link or is going to take them to a different page. You're going to say all of those things out loud, even though you might feel silly the first couple times. I promise when you implement this, you are going to get so many more people actually taking the action step, which is what you want. Okay, 
Now, last step. We made it. The last one is you're going to tell them what you told them. And here's why. When you tell people what you told them, you give them closure and remind them all of the wonderful tips that they heard today. And you put it in a succinct order for them so they can remember all of the value that you brought to them today. And they leave feeling whole and complete and like you delivered on your promise. This is called the windshield wiper method. You tell them what you're going to tell them. You tell them and then you tell them what you told them. It's called the windshield wiper method. And when you do this, you leave people with a sense of closure. There's also so much content from when you first began the podcast or the speech until the very end that you're helping remind people everything that they learned, even though there was so much in there, so many stories and testimonials. You want to remind them what were the basics that they learned. So here's me doing that for you. Today, we talked about the eight tips to becoming a better speaker. First, be relatable. Be yourself and speak to your best friend. Number two, identify a shared problem. Number three, tell them what you're going to tell them, a quick promise you're going to fulfill. Number four, edify your authority through storytelling or sharing your credentials. Number five, make sure your content is in the why, what, how, what if sequence. Number six, share testimonials. Number seven, include a call to action. And number eight, tell them what you told them so they can leave with a sense of closure. That's my podcast for you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Becoming a Better Speaker. If you know somebody that's putting themselves out there in public, whether that just be on an Instagram Live, a Facebook Live, or YouTube, wherever, share this podcast with them. They'll be grateful. And remember to leave me that review. All you have to do is scroll down to the bottom, click write a review, Leave me that review and press send. It'll take you one minute or less. I love you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Remember, life is a journey and you're the one in the driver's seat. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.